God, we thank you for your holiness. Lord, we thank you for your righteousness. Father God, we thank you for your great love that rains down upon us. We're made holy and righteous by the blood of Christ. We're drawn into a covenant with you through the blood of Christ. And Father, we're so thankful for your great love that you reach down into a world of sin and shame and stuff and saved us through the blood of the Lamb, through the blood of Christ. So that's why we worship you, Lord. It's because of what you've done and who you are. And Father, I pray that you would continue to work in our lives, that you would open our spiritual eyes to see you with greater clarity, Lord. Seeing you for who you truly are as a holy God. Sometimes we forget that, Lord. You are holy. And Father, I pray that you would open our spiritual ears this morning to hear your small, still voice speaking to us, meeting our needs right where we are, God. And that most importantly, that you would open our hearts to receive everything that you have for us this morning. So Father, we pray this not just as words, but Father, as an expectation that you will open our eyes, that you will open our ears, that you will open our heart, that you will download into us everything that we need. Because the word says, in the presence of the Lord is the fullness of joy, is the fullness of life. Everything that we need is found in you. So we pray this with expectation in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for joining us this morning in worship. Today we are going to have communion. And communion is open to anyone that's accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior. If you received him as Lord and Savior, then we invite you to join us for communion. Let us partake of the wafer together. Thank you for joining us for communion this morning. And I think it's so awesome that God loves us so much. And I guess the critical thing that we always want to be reminded of is how much God truly loves us. And although we reflect on his sacrifice, it's really a, a time of celebration that all of humanity can be brought back into relationship with God through the sacrifice of Christ. So thank you. Thank you, Hakes. Great job. Uh, at this point, uh, I'd like to release the ambassadors and the warrior youth. All the children's ministry is now released to go back. All right. Well, you're all looking good this morning. Thank you for joining us. I started this series, 442, and I was talking about how mo most church growth comes from transferred growth, meaning that most churches are growing because people are just moving from one church to another. It's not that people are getting saved necessarily or a small percentage are getting saved. The average church in America is seeing 2 to 5% conversion growth, meaning there are 2 to 5% people that are getting saved in the churches. That's how small that uh, part of the growth is. And new believers uh, are just not coming to the Lord, really, in the church today. So 95 to 98% is transferred growth. And I shared the good news about Life Fellowship that we're seeing about 30% 
that people come to the Lord here. So that's way above the, the national average. And so praise God. Lord, I just thank you for that. I thank you that you are impacting lives in this community uh, powerfully, Lord. And we just give you all the praise and the glory and the honor and the thanks in Jesus' name. All right, so let's continue on. This series is 442, is for you. What is 442? What does that really mean? And this series is about us becoming committed followers of Christ, being equipped and released to make more disciples. And I've been talking about some of the data that we received from the survey that we took eight weeks ago that many of you participated in. One of the things that we found with the data that you guys presented is that a lot of people don't feel like they're really being trained and equipped well enough to go out and make a difference in the world around them. So that's part of this sermon's focus and part of the series' focus, really, is that we would become more equipped, more confident in sharing our faith with others to impact the world around us. We're going to be going to a few passages of Scripture, but if you want to begin to turn to Matthew 28, 18 through 20, and probably some of you have that memorized by now, and that's good. Also, Romans 10, 9 through 17. And I want to look at this core scripture that we've been talking about for several weeks in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Jesus came and told his disciples what? I've been given all authority in where? In heaven and on earth. He goes on to say in 19, therefore, do what? Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. What else does he say to do? In verse 20, he says to teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, and be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And so Jesus has given us this command that we become disciples, but also that we teach others and train others. And one of the best ways that we can do that is by living it, right? Okay. So at the conclusion of last week's service, I ask you to do something. Do you remember what that was? It was to pray and ask the, ask the Lord who you are to invite to Life Fellowship. So the next step in that process would be to actually invite someone to Life Fellowship, okay? <laughs> all right, so I'm hoping that you will do that. And through this series, I'm hoping that, that all of us will be more intentional in doing that. And so last week, uh, I shared the wonderful results from the survey that Life Fellowship took a few weeks back. And, and I'm so excited about it that seeing the growth in the lives of the people here and seeing that where most church growth is two to five percent of new christians here at life fellowship it's like 30 percent so that's that's amazing to me to see what god is doing in our lives and in this church and through this church and through our lives i begin talking about this new series 442 is for you however i intentionally did not define what that really meant but i'm going to do that this morning but before i do i want to share a few more statistics Houston is now the most diverse city in America, and there are about 6 million people that live here in the Houston area, and I found this interesting that approximately 1 million of those 6 million were not born in America. Uh, I, I didn't realize that, so that's amazing that I think what that does is that changes the whole dynamics of the American church. We have to be different in reaching out to people. And I think that's one of the reasons that there are so many churches that are dying. They're not relevant. And I'm not talking about, when I talk about being relevant, I'm not talking about watering down the gospel or changing the gospel or not teaching the Bible. 
We should never do that. But we have to find ways to reach into people's lives that are not even from this country. And so I think that's a different approach from a Western mindset. There are a group of churches that are meeting to strategize on ways to target the 500,000 people that live in these local communities. And this area has been kind of identified as the four Bs. And what, what that means is from the Beltway to the beach, from the Bay to Brazoria County. And within that geography, there are 500,000 people that live there. Of these 500,000 people, 55% of those people do not have any kind of religious affiliation at all. They're not plugged into any kind of church at all. And so if they're in the hospital or they have something happen, they don't have a Christian uh, family to, to rally around them and support them. They don't have a pastor to call because they're not plugged in. And that's why the local church is so vitally important. And if I did my math correctly, that's 275,000 people right here in our area that are not connected to any church. So I've been saying that we have a tremendous opportunity to reach out in this area, and we do. And Kima and League City uh, is highly unchurched. And so we have tremendous opportunity. Keep in mind that 95 to 98% of current church growth in America are just transferred growth, people moving from one church to another. So very few people are actually coming to know the Lord. There are 2,500 people believed to be moving into the Houston area, 2,500 people moving to Houston every week, every week. I guess a megachurch is considered 10,000 people. So we have uh, the, the opportunity to create a megachurch every month from just the number of people that are moving to the Houston area. We live in this highly unchurched area, but we can be a part of changing that. Let me get personal here. You can be a part of changing that because that's what it's going to take, all of us working together and reaching out to the community around us. There is one church for every 1,500 people. And obviously, that number is growing. That gap is widening with all the people that are coming. So we need more churches. All the churches that are, that are in existence today cannot handle the people that are here already, plus the growth that's coming. So we need to build more churches. I believe that Life Fellowship is being called to plant churches in multiple communities. That will have one main campus, but we'll have multiple campuses of maybe 250, 300 people, where it won't be one huge campus that everybody from the city comes to, but we'll have one major campus, but then we'll begin to plant campuses in different communities, and we will go into the community to reach out to them without them having to drive halfway across Houston. So if we're going to do that, if God has called us to do that, and I believe he has, how prepared are you? How prepared are you to teach? What if I ask you to lead the other teachers in the Kingdom Kids area? Would you be equipped? Would you be able to do that? Would you be able to help? What if I ask you to manage the facilities at a campus, ensuring that all the ACs were working and that uh, everything was in, in order there? Would you be able to do that? Are you trained and equipped? What if I ask you to become a campus pastor? Are you trained and equipped? So what we've identified through that survey that you guys gave is that a lot of you don't feel like you're real equipped to go out and make a difference. Also, I talked about this last week that probably 30% of us are not sure that if we were to die today that we would go to heaven. Let me be clear. When we accept Christ, we're saved. 
You know, it's not based on our performance. Ephesians 2.8, what does it say? We're saved by grace through faith when we believe not of our works that anyone should boast. But it's only through the grace of God. We need to understand those basic foundational principles and truths. But you know what? I think if we were able to get data from a lot of churches, I think that there are a lot of people that are sitting in church today that are not sure of their salvation. We need to be sure of those kinds of things. Because we live in such a performance-based society where everything is conditional, right? Your job and everything is based upon your performance. But in God's kingdom, it's about simply receiving the gift of grace, the gift of free life that Jesus came to give. And that's a choice that, that we just make. We just receive it. I mean, could it be any easier than that? Here's the thing. When we're faithful in the small thing, God gives us more. And so we're being very faithful and very intentional and building a solid foundation, training and equipping leaders to build teams, to go forth, to expand, because I really believe that God has called us to reach the nations, not only reach these areas, but to reach across the nations. And that's going to require us being trained and equipped to go and plant more churches. Because, guys, all the churches that are in existence today cannot possibly meet the needs of everyone out there. This group of churches that's coming together have a couple of primary goals. One of those is to reach every man, woman, and child with the repeated opportunity of hearing the gospel, the good news of Christ. Because it's not just hearing the gospel, the good news about Christ one time that necessarily gets in. But as they go to work and and they work with you and, and you, through the course of natural conversation and where God opens up doors, begin to share the love of Christ. And then maybe they go uh, home and and their neighbor begins to share the love of Christ and then someone else. It's the repeated opportunity sometimes that will finally filter in. You know, somebody goes home and they said, you know, I talked to the uh, three different people today and they were talking about their church and and how much the Lord is working in their life. Maybe we ought to go to church. We're having all these problems or whatever it is. And so it's the repeated opportunity that can begin to break down the walls in people's lives. So that's one thing that these churches are doing. Another thing is to make more disciples or followers of Christ so that every man, woman, and child knows a Christian. Because here's the thing, when, when we don't have a relationship with the Lord, when we're not plugged into the body of Christ, we probably don't hang out with Christians. We're hanging out with, with people that, that are not going to church as well. Consequently, when we are plugged into a church, probably most of the people that we hang out with are people that are Christians that go to our church and things like that. But we need to begin to reach into those areas and build relationships with those people that don't have a relationship with the Lord, that may not know any Christians, that we can begin to example to them the love of Christ and what Christianity looks like. I was talking with a, a lady that goes to our church, and, and she was telling me a story about some neighbors that they know. And she said the neighbors tend to drink a little bit more than what she thinks is appropriate. And, and she said that she has struggled with drinking and alcohol abuse, and so she needs to be careful when she's around them that she doesn't fall into that. And I said, that's good. You know, you need to set some boundaries there and, and don't place yourself in a compromising situation where you can fall. But she said one of the things that she realized is that she's seeing them from a different line. I, I said, well, listen, when you see people that have problems, maybe drinking problems, there's, there's a deeper issue there normally. And as you begin to see them and their woundedness and get past those addictive behaviors or whatever those things may be, it gives you the opportunity to share the love of Christ. 
And she said, you know, and I think they're seeing a difference in Christians too, not thinking that all of them are all stuck up and judgmental and all that kind of thing. And she said, so I've been sort of judging them, and I think they've been judging me. But what I'm finding is as we build relationships, we can kind of bridge that gap. And I can begin to see them and their struggles and their challenges. And they, they can begin to see me as a Christian that doesn't have everything together in a perfect life, but is allowing God to work in my life. And so that's what happens as we begin to build relationships with one another. I'm not talking about beating people up with a 10-pound Bible. Just go and share the love of Christ. Just make friendships with people. Again, we need to be careful that we don't compromise I remember hearing a story about a guy that said his ministry was to the topless bars. And I, I thought, nah, I don't know. I'm not sure about that. I think 99, 99.9% of men need to stay out of there. So, you know, I, I would question that. Let's let the women go minister to the women in the topless bars. Men, you need to stay out of there. The point is, is that we need to build relationships with people that don't know the Lord. Jesus said what? Go and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, but to teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I've given you. And so we have a great opportunity. 275,000 people in our communities here that don't know the Lord, that are not plugged in. 442 is for you. My first point this morning is reach out to others. Paul inspired the church at Corinth to reach out to others. Let's go to 1 Corinthians, I didn't give this to you, but we can go there anyway. 1 Corinthians 9, 22 and 23 says, When I am with those who are weak, I share in their weaknesses. For I want to bring the weak to Christ. And this Greek word for weak comes from two words. It means without strength. It can refer to not having necessary resources. It can be weak as in sick, weak physically, morally, spiritually, emotionally. Literally, it means without strength. So let's look at this whole scripture. When I am with those who are weak, when I am with those who are without strength, I share in their weakness, for I want to bring those without strength to Christ. I want to lead them to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything that I can to save some. So Paul was intentional about reaching out to others. Now, I'm not talking about Paul was compromising. He wasn't compromising his stand or his beliefs or his lifestyle. But he's saying, hey, I'm putting aside my preferences so that I can minister to these people, so that I can build relationships with these people. And lead them to Christ. Paul would look for ways to connect and build relationships with others. Maybe he talked about the things that they were interested in. They say, if you want to build relationships, talk to somebody about what they enjoy. What are their hobbies? And then you can begin to develop those relationships. So my first point this morning is reach out to others. My second point is share your story with others. We can debate a lot of other things with people and maybe... As a Christian, maybe you've found that you go into the workplace and people want to debate theology or they want to debate this or that. But listen, no one can really debate your story unless you're flat out lying. Okay, you know, if you're lying, well, then that's a different story. But as you share your story, no one can really say, well, that's wrong or that's right or, you know, it's how you feel. It's what you've experienced. And so our story is powerful. And how can someone tell you that your relationship with the Lord is not real? How? I mean, how can they tell you that? They may not know the internal changes that God is making in your life. 
I mean, you know that. And I, I see many of you where God is working in your life, and there's an exterior change uh, based on the internal work that God is doing in our lives. But no one can deny that. And hopefully they can see your relationship is authentic and transparent and real with God by being demonstrated by the way you live. That's our greatest witness. We can talk all day long, but do we live it? 1 Corinthians 9.23, Paul goes on to say, I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. It's a blessing for someone to come to the Lord and have the guilt and shame and all that stuff removed off their life. And it's a blessing for us to, to be able to, to be a part of that, to be able to see people's lives changed, especially our loved ones. And so Paul says, I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. Paul was intentional in building relationships to lead others to Christ. And let's go to Romans chapter 10, 9 through 17. And this is what Paul wrote to the Christians in Rome. And many of you are familiar with this passage of Scripture. It says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I mean, there it is, guys. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Verse 10, For it is believing in your heart that you are made right with God and by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. Verse 11, As the Scripture tells us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Man, when we understand that God's grace and love and forgiveness, His grace, His unmerited favor toward us is complete, salvation is complete, that all the guilt, all the shame, all the stuff that maybe we've been carrying for, for decades or years is, is taken on at the cross, it's liberating, it's freeing, that we can walk in the freshness and the newness of life that Christ came to give. He goes on to say, he goes on to say in verse 12, Jew and Gentiles are the same in this respect. In other words, Jews and non-Jews have the same access to God through the death on the cross. There's no favorites there. The ground is level at the cross. There's nobody that is higher or lower than someone else. We all have access to the saving grace of Christ in our lives and receiving that grace and that great love and the forgiveness. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call upon him. And we talk about the generosity of God. We talk about us being generous. Why? Because that reflects the heart of God, giving of our time, our talents, and our treasure, giving what belongs to God. We talked a few weeks ago about tithing, how that God gives us everything. And he says, all I request is that you give me 10% of your increase back. He gives us everything, life, health, forgiveness of all of our sins. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call upon him. And I've found that as we give to God, and I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about giving of our time, our talents, and our treasure. God blesses back. And God just pours into us. You cannot outgive God. And when we give, we give not to get, but because our hearts are changed. Our hearts are more in alignment with God's heart. And he's a gracious, loving, giving God. As we give, we're reflecting the heart of God goes on to say here in verse 13, for everyone, say everyone, everyone, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. There it is. I mean, let's just condense it down. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Verse 14, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? Well, that's a reasonable question, right? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? 
Another reasonable question. Let's look at verse 15. And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring the good news. And I think about our missionaries that we support. They go and bring the good news, that travel to Africa, that put their lives literally in peril, in danger. Them and their two children. They're going to share the love of Christ and reach people with the good news of Christ. And I think about how wonderful that must be for those people in those countries that don't know about the Lord. It would be like receiving a a glass of cool water on a hot summer day, I would think. How refreshing that would be. And how wonderful it is that we get to be a part of that by financially supporting them, that they get to go and share the love of Christ with others and, and impact lives for all of eternity. And let me read the scripture again, verse 15. And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? You may be sitting here today saying, well, I'm not really sent. Well, wait a minute. What did we just read in Matthew? Go and make disciples. So listen, Jesus has sent you. I'm sending you. Okay, go and make disciples of all the nations. So if you're thinking I haven't been sent, let's clarify that right now. You have been sent. You've been called by Jesus. Go and make disciples of all the nations. Let's look at verse 16. But not everyone welcomes the good news, for Isaiah the prophet said, Lord, who has believed our message? So Paul is recognizing that not everyone is going to receive the message. I talked earlier about the repeated opportunities to share the love of Christ, because you may go and share it with someone, and then someone else may come behind you, and someone else. So maybe you're not getting to lead them to the Lord, but maybe it was a seed that you planted. And maybe it's the lifestyle that they've witnessed over decades that is drawing them and they see something different. I see something different in Steve's life. You know, he's got something that I want. So as we begin to yield our life to God, God begins to work through our life powerfully. I've talked to people that have come to Life Fellowship and they say, man, I, I feel the presence of God so strongly here. It impacts my life. And so as we go out in the community, the the Holy Spirit is indwelling within us. And so people should be experiencing the Holy Spirit, the love of God flowing through our lives. And so it may not be you that gets to pray the prayer of salvation with them, but it may be the seed that you plant that begins to germinate and grow. And at some point in time, boom, they're at the right place, and God sends the right person at the right time. And they receive the Lord and their lives are changed. And they begin to walk down that path of transformation where God begins to bring health and healing and wholeness to their lives. And begins to restore the broken, wounded places in their hearts. But how's that going to happen if we don't go out and share the love of Christ? If, If we don't go out and share the good news of Christ? Verse 17 So faith comes from hearing, that is hearing the good news about Christ. This Greek word for hearing means hearing spiritually, discerning God's voice. Have you ever been, don't raise your hand and do not look at your spouse, but have you ever been having a conversation and it was like wah, 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 wah. You had no idea what they were saying. You could hear the words, you could hear the noise. Quit looking at him. I see that tiny Oh, okay. She's looking at <laughs> she's looking at the slides. Okay, good. That was a good move, Tanya. That was good. Smooth. The point is, is good news comes from hearing, and it's not just hearing the words. There are probably, well, I don't know, there are 
bunches, millions of people sitting in churches today that are hearing great sermons. They're hearing the Word of God, the Scripture, and it's just like wah, 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 wah. They're not hearing it. They're not getting it here. Hearing means discerning God's voice. It means spiritually hearing. It's not just hearing the words. And there are a lot of people that are hearing good messages that are in great churches and that are teaching the Word of God, but yet their lives are unchanged because they're not hearing the Word of God. They're not receiving the things of God. It's like hitting a golf ball into a piece of plexiglass. It just hits and bounces off because their hearts are not ready to receive or able to receive or there's hardness there or bitterness or whatever it may be. But it's, it's hearing, truly hearing God's word means that it pierces through the armor and settles into our hearts. And when God's word begins to fill our hearts, it begins to change our life. There are people that I know that will reject or cherry pick parts of God's word that they receive. Oh, I like this. I don't like that. Listen, you have to take it all. Because God's word is our standard. It's our blueprint for life. And it's not to keep us from having fun. It's, help us, it's to help us walk in the fullness of life. It's the boundaries that God sets and says, stay within these boundaries. Last week, I was driving down the street in an, in a, an area that I'm unfamiliar with. And I saw this cop out in the road. And he was doing this. I'm like, what is going on here? He tells me to pull in. I'm like, what? He said, you're driving 41 and a 20. I said, what do you mean? He said, that's a school zone. I'm like, really? I didn't know that. But you know what? It didn't matter because I broke the law. And God sets boundaries to protect us and, and keep us safe. That's why those boundaries are there. And there are consequences for when we step out of those boundaries. <laughs> Asked the cop, I said, well, hey, can you, uh, you know, can you cut me a little slack here? And he said, sir, you need to step back in your car. <laughs> Well, okay, all right. So, you know, now I'm going to have to go to driving school. I don't remember the last time I got a ticket, but, you know, I guess I needed to get that ticket so I could share that with you. So I'm glad that I'm, I don't know what driving school is going to cost, probably 150 bucks or something, but I hope you get it, okay? Got to set boundaries, so don't, don't make me get another ticket. There are people that cherry pick or reject parts of God's word, and God's word is there for us to protect us. In John 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In verse 14, it says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Word is Jesus. And Jesus has given us the boundaries. He's pouring out his love on those of us who, were, who will receive. Have you ever seen somebody with an umbrella? What does that do? That protects them from the rain that's coming down. Listen, God wants to rain down on us. And many people have an umbrella. They're saying, well, God, you can rain all around me, but you're not raining on me. Listen, we're missing out if we're not receiving all the things that God wants to give us. And a lot of those individuals that pick and choose the parts of God's word that they want to receive, they're not experiencing the abundant life that Christ came to give because you can't just take part of it. I see people all the time that they get into a jam and then they come and they want a quick fix. They want a Band-Aid. And then they go back to the same stuff they were doing. Listen, it doesn't work. Maybe you've been like that. I've, I've tried that. There's a God-shaped hole in all of us that only God can fill. And so when we try other things, then we... And, and we're really, that's no different than the children of Israel. We see that time and time and time again where they would walk away from God. And then they'd get into a jam and they'd come back. They'd cry, oh, God, save us. 
from this bondage. Help us out. And they'd begin to worship him again, and things would, God would deliver them, and things would go well. And then they begin to wander away. How many of us have done that? I mean, come on. It's like you would think we would get it. We're smarter than a chicken. <laughs> and so God's word is there for us. And so we need to receive the abundant life that Christ came to give. John 10.10, 10, the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said what? I've come that you may have what? Abundant life. Life in abundance. Okay. So my first point was reach out to others. My second point is share your story with others. My third point is pray for others. Praying for others means praying for their salvation in this initiative that I'm talking about. We're talking about, well, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but what I want you to do is pray for people. I can remember being in the workforce, and I would see people walk by, walk down the hallway or walk past my lab, and I would begin to pray for them. I would pray for my boss, pray that God would bless them. I would pray for my coworkers. I would pray for myself. So we need to be praying for one another, but also pray for people for their salvation. Listen, if you know that they don't have a relationship with the Lord, pray for them. I remember there was a guy that I worked with, and I don't mean to be judgmental, but I don't think he was saved by the lifestyle that he lived, the things that came out of his mouth. I heard recently that now he's a pastor, and he could be saying the same thing about me. No, but you never know. I can look back at when Christine and I first met. I remember I've told you this story. There was a gentleman that came to me at work one day. This is about 30-something years ago. And he said, Mark, you, you say that you're a Christian. I said, yeah. He said, well, the words that come out of your mouth don't reflect it. It changed my life because he was right. And I appreciated that he had the boldness. I mean, I wanted to hit him, honestly, but he was right. He was right. And so... When God begins to take our lives, when we begin to yield our life to him, he begins to transform it and morph us into something different, something that looks more like Christ. So you never know what your prayers are going to do, man. Be praying for people, especially those that don't know the Lord. Pray for their healing physically, spiritually, emotionally, mentally. Pray that the Lord will give you the opportunity to pray the prayer of salvation with others. 442. Okay, the first four. Okay, I'm going to tell you what it, what it means now. The first four is to make four relationships with those that you know don't go to church. Be intentional. And what I'm asking you to do over the next seven months for the rest of this year is be intentional about reaching out to four people that don't have a relationship with the Lord or you know don't go to church. Maybe they had a relationship at one point in time, but they've walked away from the Lord. How can they know about Christ if God has placed you in that environment to share the love of Christ and witness to him, but you won't say anything? I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to say anything. Listen, God may have placed you there, and I'm not saying be offensive, but listen, don't compromise. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Don't be ashamed to say what you believe. Don't be ashamed to live what you say you believe. You don't have to compromise. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, Don't conform to the things of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, coming into alignment with God's Word. That's what that's talking about. Understanding that God really does love us and wants to have a relationship with us, not only us, but everyone around us. And so as we get the Word of God down in us, it begins to change us. Be intentional Listen, some of you can make four new relationships in a day or a week. And I'm talking about for the rest of the year. It's not that hard. 
442, make four relationships this year with those who don't go to church. The other thing, the other four, is to share your story with four people this year. Share a relevant life story from your own life or from someone else that you know with four individuals this year. Is it that hard? I mean, I think you can do that. Most of us can do that. A lot of us interact with people on a daily basis and a weekly basis. Maybe someone's sharing a situation with you, and you can share a story to bring hope to them. Or maybe it's not even your story, but you know someone else that's gone through a similar situation, and you've seen how God has worked through their life to get them through that challenge. It may not be the same four people that you're making relationships with that don't know the Lord. It may be four other people. But what I want to challenge us to do, build four relationships with people that don't go to church that share our story with four people this year. And then two is pray with or for two people this year. And what I'd like to see us do, and this is, uh, we may not have control over this, but uh, what I'd like to see us do is for each of us to pray with two people to receive the Lord. Now, I know the Lord has to open up that opportunity for us. Because you have to wait on the Holy Spirit for the right time to do that. Here's the thing that we can do. We can be present and we can be prepared to do that. Some of you have heard the prayer of salvation prayed dozens of times. But if I were to call you up today at the end of the service, somebody responds to the altar call and say, okay, lead them in the prayer of salvation. Could you do it? Some of you could. Some of you would be going, I don't know about that. That's a pastor's job. (laughs) Listen, we need to be present, ready, and able, but also be prepared. Because what if you go to work on Monday and, boom, God drops an opportunity in your lap right right like that. Somebody comes into your office and says, you're a Christian. You you know, I've tried to do all this stuff on my own. I I can't. I, I need to receive the Lord. Will you lead me in a prayer of salvation? Would you be ready? And I'm not saying that you have to memorize something. Uh, Okay, repeat after me. Uh, Oh, Lord, uh, I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I'm not saying you have to be rigid or dogmatic about it, but you need to be prepared. Are you prepared if God presents that opportunity? Hey, listen, if you need to write out a prayer and stick it in your wallet or your purse, there's nothing wrong with that. But it's, it's just being ready to lead people. And so what I want you to do is if you don't lead two people to the Lord this year, at least pray for two people, okay? All of us can do that. So we need to be people of prayer. And I'm praying about how we can be more intentional in in prayer as a church. So I'm, I'm praying about that. But we need to be praying more corporately, honestly. I mean, I pray a lot, but as a church, we don't come together and pray very often. We have First Fridays once a quarter where we come and worship. We have, you know, marginal attendance of that. So we need to be coming and worshiping, uh, but we also need to be spending time. We have 275,000 people in these communities. Are we praying for them? We need to be praying for our communities. We need to be praying for our loved ones. We need to be praying for those that God places in our path. If your hesitation to pray is pride, you need to get over yourself. Listen, as a Christian, we need to be people of prayer, and we need to be praying for people. Well, I, you know, I just don't like to pray out loud. Well, start praying more, and you'll get more comfortable with it. Well, I, I just don't pray as wonderfully as, as that other person does. Well, you know, prayer is simply talking to God. So just as the more you talk to God, 
the more comfortable you get. We need to be people of prayer. I want to share an example to help demonstrate this. And some of you have heard the story before. A number of years ago, in, when we lived in Corpus Christi, my mom and my wife and I, I think it was just the three of us, were at dinner. We were at a restaurant. We were eating. And I had been working in the garage, and I think I'd been working in the garage. I wasn't dressed, you know, real nice, but we were having a nice dinner, and I noticed there was some commotion going on at a table, I think a couple of tables over. And this gentleman was choking. And I'm like, oh, my God. You know, everybody in the restaurant's kind of looking, and the waitress goes over, and she said, sir, stand up. And she slaps him on the back a couple of times, and he's still choking. And I'm thinking, Lord, why doesn't somebody do something? And the Holy Spirit begins to speak to me and says, why don't you do something? And I'm like, well, I don't know what to do. I mean, I've, you know, I've never really seen the Heimlich done. I've never done it. I've never performed it. And all these thoughts are going through my head. And so then I, finally I get up. Have you ever been in a car accident or something and everything is moving in slow motion? You know, everything. And so everything is moving in slow motion. She's, Stand up, sir. And she's slapping him on the back. And I'm sitting there and I get up and I go over there and I wrap my arms around him and I do the Heimlich and the fishbone or whatever flies out. You know, people kind of start cheering, and, you know, it was, it was really a surreal moment. And so I'm, yeah, no. <laughs> so anyway, I go and sit down, and, and I was thinking about that. That kind of ruined our meal. You know, we're, everybody's kind of like, yeah, well, all right, let's, let's pack. Can I get a to-go box? And, but what if I were concerned about the way I was dressed, the clothes that I had on? Oh, God, I can't go give this guy Heimlich. I've got a T-shirt on, my I, my jeans are dirty. Or, or what if I don't do it right? I've never done the Heimlich before. What, what if some, someone's judging my skill? Oh, you know, they're holding up signs. Three and a half on the Heimlich movement there, you know. Or uh, what, if, what if it doesn't work? You, you know, I, I mean. But listen, this guy was choking. There are people around you that are dying and going to hell. Come on. Are we concerned about the way we look? Are we concerned about what someone may say? We're talking about eternal salvation. We're talking about life. Not only life, but forever. And so God is going to bring opportunities for all of us to share the love of Christ and lead people to Christ. We need to take those opportunities. There are 275 thousand people in this area. I'm sure you can find one or two that need the Lord. I'm sure you know dozens of people. Are you willing to step out, risk out? And let me show these cards to you. We have something to help you out here. All right. And Cliff is, and some of the guys are going to be handing these out. I want you to take some of these cards, take a dozen of them or so. And what it says on the front, it says, Four relationships, four times I share my story, a story, two people I can pray for, with or for. And I want you to take 10 or so of these, and I want you to maybe put one on your mirror in your bathroom that you can be reminded when you get up in the morning, okay, I want to be intentional about making relationships with people in my community. I want to be intentional about sharing my story. I want to remember to pray for people. Take some and, and put them on your desk at, at work. Put some... Uh, on your computer screen or something at, at work. And then maybe take some and put them in your wallet. Put some in your car. Put some in your purse. And so this will be reminding us to do these things, to reach out to people. Then on the back, it has 
our information as a church. So if you're praying with someone or you're sharing your story with someone, you can say, hey, listen, here's, here's a great church. This is where I go to church. Here, take one of these and go online and check it out. There's our address. Come and visit us so we can be intentional. Listen, I don't know how much time we have to reach out to others. You don't know how much time you have available to reach out to those that God has placed in your path. So let's be intentional about reaching out to others. The purpose of these cards is to remind us to be intentional in reaching out to others and also be a tool that we can give them to remind them that maybe they need to respond to us reaching out to them. So one side has the goals that we're going to try to accomplish. The rest of this year, how many of you can make four new relationships this year? Let me see your hands. Can you do that? How many of you can share your story four times in seven months? How many times have you can pray with two people in seven months? I mean, come on. This shouldn't be that much of a challenge. If every one of us were to invite one person to come to Life Fellowship and they plugged in here, what would that, what would that mean? Our church would double in size. Two people. You invite two people, it would triple. Listen, we have a tremendous opportunity. It's not about how big of a church can we have. It's about how many people can we impact for the kingdom of God. How many people can we lead to Christ? How many lives can be touched and changed? How many marriages can be healed and restored? How many children that come from a broken home can have hope and not live the rest of their life like some of us feeling rejected and struggling all their life to battle, that, battle through that rejection because of their home environment or, or how they've been brought up or whatever that may be. Listen, guys, we have an opportunity to impact a generation now that will impact generation after generation after generation long after we're gone. And we have a great opportunity. So we have seven months to make four new relationships, to share our story with four other people, and to pray for two people. Will you reach out to those that God places in your path? It's a choice that you make. And here's what I ask you to do, too. I ask you to pray and ask God to give you the compassion and love for others that he has for you and for them as well. And God will begin to do that. God will begin to break your heart for people. This week, I want you to pray and ask the Lord who you are to invite to Life Fellowship and then invite them. I want you to take a dozen of these cards and I want you to hand them out. Listen, if you hand them out all this week and you need some more next week or at Bible study on Wednesday, get some more. We have 2,000 of them, okay? If we need some more, we'll get some more. But the intent is that we be serious about Matthew 28. Go and make disciples of all the nations, teaching them, training them, equipping them so that they can become equipped, so that they can help serve in children's ministry and help teach our children. So they can go out and make a difference in the world. It's like a pebble in the pond. We are the pebble making the first ripple. And we have the opportunity to impact thousands of lives. Because I guarantee you, you over the course of your life, you will come into contact with thousands of people. And you will impact thousands of lives. Is it a positive impact for Christ? Or what is that impact? And it doesn't matter. Here's the great thing about the love of God. It doesn't matter what our past has been like. When we come to the Lord, everything is washed away. It's, we're all new. And the Word says His mercies are new every morning. Did, you, did anybody blow it yesterday? You know, the Word says his, his mercies are new every morning. 
So we have a great opportunity to receive the love of Christ and impact the world around us. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? This morning, if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and tugging on your heart, you have this tug, you're like, man, I just don't have that relationship with the Lord or I've walked away from the Lord. There's no shame in that, but God may be tugging on your heart right now and you can have a fresh start. You can start over today. Anybody here this morning that God is speaking to your heart? I just want to pray with you. Lord God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the love and the power of your Holy Spirit that flows through us. And God, I thank you that you are providing opportunity for us to make a difference in the world around us. And I pray that we would be passionate about that, that we would be intentional in making relationships and sharing our story and praying for others. Lord, I thank you so much for what you're doing in our lives as you're bringing health and healing and wholeness to our lives but also you're using us in a powerful way to impact the world around us. And I pray that this week we will look for those opportunities. Not only will we look for those opportunities, but we will seize those opportunities to make a difference in building relationships and sharing your great love. Because, Father, we understand what you've done for us. Why would we withhold that from someone else who really desperately needs it? So, Father, we pray all these things with expectation in the all-powerful and the almighty name of Jesus. Amen. 442 is for you. Go out and live it. The prayer team will be up here if you'd like prayer. Come up uh, and pray with the prayer team. Remember to, to pick up some cards on the way out, okay? Take 10 or 12 of them with you and use them, all right? You're dismissed. Go out and live it.